0: Chapter Twenty of the Girls of Saint Wode's This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Castile. The Girls of Saint Wode's by L. T. Mead. Chapter Twenty Not a Bit Like It. At the appointed hour Leslie Gilroy went across to Belle Atchison's room. That young lady was in, and received her with a fair amount of graciousness. "'Sit down, pray,' she said. "'You will like that chair which faces the view. I prefer the one with my back to it. That view upsets me when I am very busy over my studies. But enough about ego for the present. Let me look at you steadily.' leslie seated herself on the very stiff and uncomfortable chair pointed out by her companion and bell eyed her from head to foot yours is a very great temptation she said at last slowly i pity you from the bottom of my heart mine is a very great temptation repeated leslie she coloured and for a moment felt slightly alarmed was it possible that bell knew about her anxiety with regard to annie but her companion's next remark dispelled this illusion i refer to your good looks she said those like you who are condemned to the trial of regular features bright eyes and masses of hair have a struggle to fulfill their part worthily in life's battle but there i will add no more i totally and completely disagree with you cried leslie if you and i are to be friends you must allow me to speak out quite frankly miss atchison i heartily respect you i know that you are earnest and clever and don't flatter a flatterer is indeed a false friend but i am not flattering you i do think what i have just said to you most truly and sincerely but now i must speak on my own account i have been taught by a very wise and good mother to regard a pleasant and pretty face as a blessing as a talent sent from god i have to use it aright in influencing for good my fellow-men beauty is a power which can be used for good if one thinks of it in that way one need never be vain and you have the audacity to tell me that you think yourself good-looking i do answered leslie calmly i know i have a very pretty face it would be the height of affectation for me to say anything else but do not let us talk any more about personal appearance surely you did not want me to visit you to discuss my looks by no means from eileen or marjorie the words you have just uttered would disgust me so completely that i should ask the one who had so spoken to leave the room but you have something queer about you something earnest and out of the common you are not an ordinary girl and cannot be judged by ordinary standards i am convinced that you will never take life frivolously i hope i never shall bell bell you call me bell and you only met me for the first time yesterday i hope you do not think me presuming said leslie she held out her hand to bell as she spoke but i feel somehow that we are going to be friends bell's thin hand was immediately outstretched and for an instant she clasped leslie's she then let it drop with a sigh why had i not a sister like you she said it is hard to go through life without sympathy and i get little if you will allow me i will give you plenty in the future if i will allow you but there perhaps this is a temptation are we really to be friends if so you will promise not to tempt me in what way how can i you will not insert the thin edge of the wedge you will not cause me to allow luxuries to creep into my life oh i have set myself so strenuously against all that sort of thing i live so fixedly by rule now a carpet to the floor an easy chair to lounge in curtains to the windows to keep out the racking heat of the midday sun all these things would be sins in a person like me you will not insist too upon my spending money money that precious gift on dress oh i assure you the simplest covering does you know how short our lives are and our bodies are they not just clothes for the soul why need we pamper the body it is the soul that lives forever it alone requires careful attention why bell you ought to have been in a nunnery there now you are laughing at me i am not indeed but i do feel that the soul is more comfortable and more likely to thrive if it is lodged in a nicely cared-for body why should it not have a nice pretty house to live in and as to dress i do hope you will allow me to say one thing that a dress however simple ought to be whole and decent-looking and clean oh of course i admit that but is anything the matter with mine have you a clothes-brush dear i should so like to brush off the mud from the tail of your skirt thank you thank you but i cannot permit it you are now verging into the commonplace you resemble that terrible young person letitia chetwin she is really i assure you one of the trials of my life she is a butterfly impossible to be suppressed she visits me in my room and insists upon talking her frivolous nonsense until my head aches i repeat the words of the great masters of literature under my breath when she is present she sees me muttering and yet she will not go there she sits with needle and thread repairing my garments and i-i permit it i think she is awfully kind to you said leslie you ought to be grateful i'm not i can't be she and i are abhorrent each to the other as the poles are we asunder but do not let us waste these precious moments talking of her i want so much to hear about yourself your ambitions your hopes your desires what for instance are your aims with regard to literature you will take honours of course i don't know replied leslie it requires a great deal of talent to take honours in work like mine but i will admit that i am struggling very hard with that object in view then let me help you let us talk over our mutual studies here sit close to me draw up your chair near mine it is sometimes permitted for those whose souls are akin to clasp their earthly hands together now then let us speak ah when you are almost intoxicated with those great and stimulating thoughts does not your soul burn does not your brain seem to expand until it almost burst never said leslie if it did i should feel very much alarmed about myself bell uttered a sigh ''We are differently affected by these things, I see,'' she remarked. ''I cannot explain to you the intense, the passionate pleasure I feel when I am engaged over hard mental work. There is no stimulant like it. You are not laughing at me?'' ''Indeed I am not,'' said Leslie. ''I said before that I respected you, as I respect anyone else who is wholly in earnest.'' in earnest said bell yes indeed i am that i am ever thinking of kingsley's passionate words be earnest 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 mad if thou wilt oh miss gilroy do think of the frivolity of the greater number of our sex even in this house of learning frivolity creeps in leslie smiled and endeavoured to draw her companion into more reasonable conversation do you know what my aim in life is said bell at last i will whisper it to you but not even to marjorie or Aileen have i yet confided it i will respect your secret and i am very glad you are going to tell me replied leslie for she thought to herself that nothing would do this queer girl more good than to have a confidant well continued bell my mother is fairly well off of course not nearly so rich as the chetwins but as i am her only child she gives me plenty of money for my own personal use quite apart from the fees and general expenses of the college i receive twenty-five pounds a term now i have managed since i came here to spend something under five pounds a term therefore i have already a nice little sum put by in that humble little desk there lies in notes and gold over eighty pounds i will show you my little bank she jumped up hastily unlocked her desk and taking out a canvas bag poured the contents into her lap my savings she cried what i have secured in place of flowers in place of cocoa parties in place of luxurious furniture in place of the fallals and prettinesses which take the tone out of life do you know what this money is the nest egg for some good purpose i am sure replied leslie An excellent purpose i mean by and by to found a nunnery on a new line a college after tennyson's idea will be realized by me where those girls who wish to devote themselves wholly and completely to study shall live their lives i shall begin my house of learning in a humble cottage i shall take in my girl residence on the cheapest terms the house will be small the furniture of the plainest the food just what is sufficient to sustain life i could keep a niche for you if you signified your wish at an early date thank you answered leslie rising as she spoke but i could not accept it my work will be in the midst of the busy world not in any hermitage belle you have a great deal in you but you are mistaken on many points you need some lessons in life oh don't don't said bell putting her fingers to her ears this visit has been so refreshing and i like you so much but don't spoil it by an inopportune and ineffectual lecture go away take your beautiful face out of my sight don't haunt me with it a moment longer it is possible that i may see it to-night instead of the pure pale liniment of spencer's fairy queen instead of dante's beatrice instead of the divine althea in richard lovelace's matchless verses good-bye good-bye leslie went to the door and bell saw her off in some wonder and feeling almost dazed by her recent conversation she returned to her own room in north hall Just half an hour before dinner, Annie walked in. She entered the room briskly, greeted Leslie with a hard and yet excited laugh, and, tossing off her hat, seated herself on the side of her sofa-bed. "'I had a good day in town,' she exclaimed. "'What are you staring at me for?' "'I am sorry. I did not know I was staring at you,' answered Leslie. "'I am glad you are back again. But why did you not tell me this morning that you were going to town?' and why should I tell you? I never knew that I was obliged to make confidences to you. Well, I don't want to say anything offensive now, and I am in good spirits, very good indeed. I had to go to town on urgent business. It was necessary to get Miss Lauderdale's leave. She was kind enough to forgive me for my apparent rudeness of last night, and also to give me the necessary permission to spend to-day in London.' "'I am rather surprised,' answered Leslie but of course as you say it is not my affair it certainly is not and i trust you won't interfere further in the matter keep your own counsel that is all i ask of you as annie spoke she started up removing her jacket and going to her toilet table began to arrange her fuzzy locks with brush in hand she turned round and looked at leslie i am sorry i have been rude to you of late she said but the fact is i was so worried i scarcely knew what i was doing i don't pretend for a moment that you have not been good to me very good now it is my turn to be good to you i shall make myself as cheerful and pleasant as i can in the future i shan't slave so hard over books either i have found out for myself that much study is a weariness to the flesh but there i am much better this evening much better leslie did not make any reply a moment or two later the girls went down to dinner together at dinner annie contrary to her wont talked not only with leslie but with the other girls who sat near she laughed a good deal described some of her adventures in town in a spirited manner and was to all appearance in the best of spirits leslie as she watched her could not help wondering if she had got the money she wanted so badly She hated to follow Annie with her eyes, and yet the thought of her and her trouble was never really absent from her mind. Leslie was engaged to attend a cocoa party at West Hall that evening, but even there she could not get Annie out of her head, when between ten and eleven that night she returned to her own room. Annie had already gone to bed and was fast asleep. Leslie gave a sigh of relief as she watched her in this peaceful slumber the next day immediately after lunch as annie and leslie were both engaged over their respective tasks a servant came up and knocked at the door she brought in a cart on a salver a gentleman is downstairs miss gilroy she said he wants to know if he can see you leslie took up the card and read the name mr charles parker she uttered an exclamation of astonishment annie who was buried not in her studies but in a novel did not even look up and Leslie, saying she would see the gentleman immediately, left the room. She ran quickly downstairs to the common room, where her visitor was waiting for her. "'This is very kind of you, Mr. Parker,' she said, holding out her hand to him. "'But I trust nothing is wrong at home?' "'Nothing whatever, young lady, and I am delighted to see you,' replied that individual, rubbing his hands and looking affectionately and yet with anxiety at Leslie." "'It was good of you to come to see me,' said Leslie, "'and, of course, I am ever so pleased. "'When did you see mother last?' Three or four days ago. "'All the uns are doing well, "'and your mother looks, if I may use the word, blooming. "'She is not working quite so hard. "'By the way, Miss Leslie, "'I have a great respect for that fine young brother of yours, Llewellyn. "'He has the right stuff in him. "'I am only biding my time to give him a leg up. "'but I don't think Llewellyn means to take a leg up, as you call it, from anyone. "'He is very independent, Mr. Parker.' "'Ay, ay, but there are ways and means of helping an honest lad, "'and I am not the one to shirk my duty. "'But now, Miss Leslie, I have come down here because I am a little alarmed with regard to you.' "'A little alarmed with regard to me? What can you mean?' said Leslie.' let us go out somewhere said mr parker somehow it seems to me that these walls may have ears and there are such a lot of girls coming and going so this is what you call a college is it this is one of the houses of residence at st wode's college replied leslie the college and lecture rooms themselves are in a separate building but of course we attend a great many lectures at the men's halls very improper indeed young lady but if it's the fashion why i can't say a word in my time such an opportunity for indiscriminate flirtation oh we'd none of us dream of flirting said leslie with a laugh and then we are properly chaperoned you know i assure you the thing is most correct and proper "'Well, I'll take your word for it, though I don't quite believe it all the same. "'When pretty girls are about and young men to the fore, "'we always know what that sort of thing means. "'You ought to come here for a time, Mr. Parker. "'Seeing is believing. "'Not I, not I, young lady. "'Do you think I'd mix myself up in a mare's nest of this sort? "'No, no, but I am bound to believe the words of a pretty girl like yourself.' "'Would you really care to go for a walk, Mr. Parker?' "'Yes, Miss Leslie, I have got something to say, "'something not too pleasant either, "'but which, of course, you must be in a manner prepared for. "'Here Mr. Parker tried to fix Leslie with his eyes. "'She gazed up at him in astonishment. "'He sighed and felt himself colouring. "'You remind me of my own girl,' he said. "'You don't know what a keen pleasure it is to me "'to do anything for you on that account. "'But there, time presses, "'and I must go back by the five o'clock train.' well i will just get my hat i am most anxious to know how you can possibly have heard bad news of me she does not look a bit like it muttered the merchant to himself as leslie ran out of the room end of chapter twenty recording by pam castile